This is the Reclaiming Families podcast. It is our goal to expose the lies that undermine, erode, and destroy the family while discovering and reclaiming God's design for gender, marriage, family, and sexuality. So join us for open conversation about the struggles and joys of reclaiming families. Welcome to another episode of Reclaiming Families. We are so glad you are still with us, and we're thankful for all the feedback that you've given us on our first podcast, and we are here again with our second. Yeah, it's really cool to have a website, a podcast, a blog, some free resources. It's, uh, I mean, I've never had this before. So as you are, you know, going through the website, following us on social media, we would ask that you would, you know, comment on things if you'd like to, but really we would also love for you to rate and review our podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And sign up for our newsletter so we can uh, get some information from you. I spent a little time on that and glad it worked out. Yeah. So we're so thankful that Reclaiming Families has officially launched, but today we have... Ooh, controversial topic. It is a little bit controversial, but I'll be honest with you. I don't see the controversy in it. Well, let me rephrase that. I don't see the controversy in it in theology. I do see the controversy in it in application because Mm -hmm. our hearts can kind of get in the way of what we know. But you want to tell them what the topic is? Yeah, we're talking today about, it's hard for me to say, but it's complementarianism. 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 Good job. So, uh, We're talking about complementarianism. That's right. That's right. And it's going to be what? A three-part series? Uh, yes. And so we'll, we'll do masculinity or male headship, and then we'll do uh, the role of uh, the woman. Yeah. Femininity. Yep. Another and, hard uh, word. And the role of helper. So, so, but today we're just doing an overview of what is complementarianism. That's so right. That's right. We'll hop right in. What is complementarianism? So yeah, it's the idea that men and women are created by God equal in value and dignity. Yeah. And, and people don't really buck up against that part of it. They say, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think most people in America would say, yes, yes, yes. Equal in value and dignity. That's right. But yet, the here's the kicker is that, and this is what people you know complain about, is yet different in roles and responsibilities. And this, we see this in the creation account, which we will unpack in the next couple episodes, but Genesis 1.27 really states it clearly when it says God made male and female in his image. And so with that, we can begin to see that together men and women make up a more perfect picture of the image of God, men as the head and women as the helpmate. Yeah, we're not saying that it's easy, but we're saying this is God's design, and this is what we need to reclaim and fit into. And in that, there'll be joy, happiness, flourishing, but it is difficult, and we're going to talk about it. Yeah, and one other little thing just about those roles is, you know, coming from a woman's perspective, at different times, it could be like hearing the word helper can just sound like less important, less valuable, but it's not. And that's where it's men and women are equal in value. Their their roles are equally important. And the word helper that is uh, used in the Hebrew version of 
um, in the Bible is actually the same word that is used for the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, that is an important word. Yeah, um, yeah theologically, we would not say that the Holy Spirit is less important than Jesus, less important than God the Father. And so we'd say that uh, they're all God. So, And yeah. that's how, yeah, made in the image of God, male and female, not less valuable, just different. And, and we'll unpack that a good bit more later. So, so what about the opposite of complementarianism? Yeah, the opposite. Well, the opposite would be, is it egalitarianism? That's right. And so I guess that means, you know, men and women are equal in every way, not just dignity and value, but also equal in roles and um, can pretty much be, I guess, interchangeable in all that they do. Yeah, I think that's the word is that, uh, you know, many in society today, they want men and women to just be interchangeable. Whatever you can do, I can do better. You know, it's kind of like the, the philosophy, men to women. And, and you know, it's really interesting. It's like we're just not the same. You know, my wife, I'm, I'm sure there's some strong women out there. But my wife and most women. Hold on. Before he says this. Go ahead. Um, he's about to say that women are not as strong as men. And, and I agree with him 100%. But just so you know. When Randy was trying to get me to like him, he went to a group fitness class with me. Oh, and she, she whooped me. And in okay, so, body so, pump, I just want it to be known. Randy, right, say it for right, everybody right. to hear. Who could squat more weight? Yeah, that's right. My wife could. My wife could. And uh, so and I'm not, like I said, like that doesn't, you know, that doesn't misprove my point. But it's like when a guy not working out, never really worked out, <laughs> wanted to, you know, impress my uh you know, or Hillary, you know, I wanted to uh, marry Hillary. And so I went to the body pump class and she'd been working out. She was in good shape. I wasn't. I'm huffing and puffing. Had to drop down weight. You know, the instructor's looking at me saying, uh, it's okay to drop down if you're new. You know, I'm the only <laughs> new guy in there. And, uh, but I don't know I'm the only new guy. But only guy, period. That's right. Only guy, period. So anyway, things that, I do, right? So, that's just a side note. That's right. And but let me keep going here. Yes. So um, I really love this video. I stole it from PragerU. Um, but basically, there's a woman named Allison Felix, and she's the fastest sprinter in the world. And she is a very fastest fast woman, woman sprinter. Fastest in the world. woman sprinter in the world. She's fast. I mean, like I said, in the world, she's super fast. But the reality is that 300 of the top high school sprinters who are boys, who are boys, beat her. Right, and so she's the fastest in the world as far as women. But when it comes to men, high schoolers, the top 300 high schoolers, beat her. And so it's this idea that, you know, men and women are just not created the same. And that's okay. It's really, it's freeing to know that we are not created the same. We are unique and it's a good thing. Women don't have to be this macho, strong protector because they have men for that role and that's God's design and I'm not saying it's not messed up and perverted and broken and and uh, men of um, you know haven't fulfilled it haven't fulfilled that role like we know the world is broken and we have seen disasters all across the board in regards to men and women um, but what I'm saying is God's good design is that uh, he made men just stronger to be protectors bigger Bigger. That's right. Bigger Again, hearts. Not all the know. time. Broader shoulders. Broader shoulders. Stronger muscles. Right. Yeah, it's not across the board. But there's some, like I said, there's some strong women. 
But uh, another yeah. thing that's, you know, maybe not across the board, but is the emotional makeup of men and women. And, you know, it could be said that maybe women are more emotionally strong, maybe men are more emotionally strong, but um, maybe not necessarily the display of emotion, but I would say the emotional makeup of men and women are very different. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that that is played out in the nurturing side of women. Um, you know, if you, again, not 100% of men and women, but if you were to ask, you know, a good majority of, of, of fathers and mothers, you know, who has the capacity to just stay at home with the children longer and, and nurture and care for, it's it's probably going to be the woman, you know, and it's not one is better or worse, but it is that there is a a different God given, um, set of skills. Yeah. And, and and don't hear me like I'm thinking about how, you know, tough women can be. And and if you want to know how tough women can be, just go to where women are giving birth. Okay. Go watch a, you know, when I watched my wife give birth to our baby, I was just absolutely blown away by just the toughness of these women. I mean, tough pain and they're just so tough. And so, uh, so yeah, women can be very tough, very strong. Um, but it's not it's not an issue of strength or toughness, yeah. like mentally or what you can do. But it's a difference of physical makeup. Yeah, is what you're saying. That's right. And, and so, roles. That's right. That's yeah. Right. So, you know, we're talking about egalitarianism and just the the difference of that from complementarianism, and I think that we can really see this in our society and the influence that our society wants to have, um, how the, the roles can just be interchanged and, and we're all the same. And one big way that I think is really heartbreaking that I've seen it recently is within same sex marriage and raising children within a same sex marriage. And we see that, um, you know, a lot of people think that having two men, two dads, or, or two moms, two women, raising a child can go just as well as if that child had a mom and a dad. And you know what? That is just actually scientifically incorrect. Like, if you go down to basic child growth and development, children need a mother and they need a father. And it's because of that makeup, the nurturing um, loving side, but also the, you know, coming alongside and teaching and, and exhorting, you know, to use wording in, in God's word. So children need both a male and a female in their home. Um, what are some other ways that, that we see this in society supporting this egalitarian view? Yeah, and this is one where, you know, we really need to push back against, but some people, they're wanting to change it so that for the draft, that women are eligible for the draft. And, uh, you know, that's been happening currently. I don't know where it's at in the court system, but, um, you know, people are saying that, hey, that if men, you know, can be drafted to go to war, then women should be drafted to go to war. There should be equal. There should be no difference. But I know that I do not, first off, I do not want my wife going to war. I will go to war in defense of my wife. If my wife goes to war, who do I have to fight for? Nobody, right? It's like, yeah. So it's a, um, it's it's ridiculous to send women to war in the sense of the draft, 
And I think it's a little ridiculous to send women to war, period, on the front lines because, you know, I'm a big guy. And if I got shot, I would hate for a woman to have, I mean, I'd be super thankful if a woman ran out there. <laughs> but I would also be very frustrated if a woman tried to drag my 250-pound body out of the road with, you know, 50 pounds of gear on. You know what I mean? It's a, uh, it's just a different story. I'd be a lot more happier to see a, you know, 250-pound man run over and grab me, put me on his shoulder. You know, and so it's just the idea of, you know, God has made men stronger overall, by and large. And, uh, and so, you know, we don't want women to go to war. We want men to go to war if they're drafted to go to war. Um, so... And those are things happening in secular society, but even within, you know, Christian culture, this is kind of crazy. Um, Beth Moore recently came out and apologized for her teaching on complementarianism. And that's just like, I don't know, really disappointing. I personally really loved Beth Moore's teachings. Um, but now, you know, she's come out and said like, that this is, is not true that, and she's even apologizing and, for those things. And so, you know, if the Bible is so clear on complementarianism, which we've said that it is, then where do these beliefs, like how can someone who reads the Bible a ton like Beth Moore, you know, come out and then say, this is not true? Yeah. And I would say it, we all do that. We all, yeah. you know, we all have theology that we know is true, but our practical theology is what we actually really truly believe. And it can be much, much different. So, um, and I think that's kind of what I was saying in the, like at the very beginning when it's like, theologically, I believe this, but in application, it's a little bit harder. Right. And so the, you know, maybe Hillary's practical theology, my practical theology is really, and I would say your practical theology is your real theology. Um, it's a little different, but uh, I would say it really comes down to pride in the human heart. And that part of the curse of the fall was that uh, there would be this strife between men and women over leadership and over headship. And so um, I think, and I think it really comes back to that. I think there's a pride in our hearts that wants my way. And if I'm going to get my way, that means I'm going to have to lead. I'm going to have to be in charge and I'm going to force my way. Because it can be uh, intimidating, scary, and even kind of vulnerable to willingly place yourself underneath someone. Absolutely. And that's where you have to really trust in God's design. And you know, it's a, it's, it just goes back to the need for, you need good men, like good men Make it easy for good women to come behind and to support, to help, and uh, and to submit to their leadership. It takes it takes good men, but when you have boys and not men and bad men, it's like what what is a good woman to do, right? I mean, there is such a lack of good men. That it really does muddy and pervert the waters a whole lot, or or pervert and muddy the waters. And so, yeah. and you know, on top of our our human hearts that are just prideful and and want to go away from God's design, sometimes I've heard scripture taken out of context, um, with you know, in support of an egalitarian view or um, 
like even like a, a feminist view. And oftentimes the scripture that I hear the most that's taken out of context is Galatians 3.28 when it talks about there is neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free. There is no male nor female uh, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So, you know, just unpacking that a little bit, what is the actual context there? Yeah, that's where we're getting at all, you know, equal in value and dignity. And, you know, we're all going to one day, we're going to give an account to God himself when we die. And uh, and in that, it's like men don't get a pass and women don't get a pass. They're viewed as equal. They're viewed as mankind. So in that sense, equal. Okay, but that does not mean equal in roles. That does not mean equal in you know, God-given responsibilities. And so, I just say God-given roles. And so, uh, it does not mean that. It, but it does mean that we are equal. That, you know, in the sense of um, God shows no partiality between rich and poor, right? Between, and it's the same sense, between men and women. That you're going to be held accountable for what you have done. And uh, God will show no partiality between the um, sexes, between men and women. So, But that does not equate to we are equal in role. It just doesn't. And so yeah, I think when people use that verse for the egalitarian viewpoint, they're telling this, you know, part of the story. But I think the rest of the Bible informs us on, you know, the rest of the story. Yeah. And so, I mean, just through all we've said, obviously we believe that complementarianism is very, very important. Um, and it's not only important for married men and women to understand and grab hold of, but it's really important for single men and women to grab hold of as well for a few different reasons. And, you know, what would you say is the, the top reason for that? Uh, for single men and women? Or just men and women in general. Why is complementarianism important? Okay, yeah, I would definitely say uh, three things. First off, it's God's design for mankind. It's his blueprint. And he lays it out pre-fall, before the fall, um, in the Genesis story. Okay, so in the Genesis creation account, it is God's design. And so, therefore, it is of the utmost important yeah. importance. I think we get a fuller picture of the gospel, a fuller picture of the character of God. I mean, even what we were saying with the strength and the, the nurture, like that is a fuller picture of God. Like he is both and. And so when we have men and women working together within the roles to, to lead and support one another and, you know, affirming those roles, then we get a greater picture of God's character and we ultimately get a a fuller picture of the gospel. Absolutely. And it's more, it's just more beautiful. Good night. It's like done right. Complementarianism is just beautiful. Absolutely. Um, but it's also important because just in a practical sense, like we are different. So therefore we complement one another. Yeah. And so, you know, Hillary, if she is, being physically attacked. What a beautiful thing it is to have me around. Okay? And it's like, she's tough. I mean, she's a body combat instructor. She's tough. 
But it's like, in the sense of strength, we complement one another, and just in a very practical way. And and even with that, in the practical sense, and you know, why would we be talking about this on reclaiming families? Is because when men do well in their roles, and when women do well in their roles, and when we are confident in those roles and secure in the roles, not competing with one another, but really seeking to complement one another, then healthier families are built because you don't have girls growing up trying to be boys and boys growing up trying to be girls. You know, we live in a broken world. And so, yes, some of that will happen. But when boys and girls can see their parents being men and women and they are getting their needs met from a father and a mother, then healthier families are built. And, and we don't live in a perfect world, and we do have broken families, but that is where it's important that even, you know, if there's a, a single-parent home, that, you know, we, we do life in community so that children can see both men and women um, playing out these roles together. Yeah, and I would just say, too, why it's important in the home is that that the man is the head of the home. I'm the head of the household. And so when it comes down to the question of who is in charge, the answer is I am. I bear the responsibility for my family. And then for Hillary, it's like she knows that I am in charge. Now, that doesn't mean I... Um, and it probably even like makes some women cringe, just like oh, the in yeah. charge, because I don't even like that he just used that word. So I bear the responsibility for our home. Okay. But even in that, even the like in charge, it's my own pride bucking sure, up. Sure, sure. But it, it did make me be like, oh. <laughs> yeah, my God, this hurts. <laughs> no, it, it is. And that's where the reality is, is, is that it's difficult in, in, uh, in reality, in practice. But I would say that, you know, with that, it's like I, I don't apologize for being in charge of my family, having responsibility for my family that. When God judges me, he doesn't just judge me for what I've done myself, but he judges for how I've stewarded my family, how I've led my family. And so it just in that very practical standpoint, it's that there is clearly defined roles. Men are to be the head of the family. Women, the role of the helper, which is not a diminished role at all. And I think even with that, it's important that the head would listen to his helper and exactly. and help make decisions. Um, it's just that the final say comes That's right. with the husband. However, I would probably argue, and you'd probably agree with this, that it's probably very few and far between where there is a decision that is so important that the husband would just need to put his foot down and say, this is what we're doing as far as like, and, and it being a healthy headship decision yeah. yeah i would say from a christian perspective that there is this sense of submitting to one another out of reverence for christ yeah. like there is there is this role of you know when I, it's my responsibility to look out for the flourishing of my wife and so i'm not going to rule like to rule over her in some authoritarian sense to her detriment is not fulfilling my responsibility. And so it's like, I will submit to her, I listen to her, and I seek her flourishing. Her, and so it's 
like like we said, when done right, it's beautiful. It's only very, very ugly and gets very destructive very quick when I'm not seeking my wife's good. Right? When I'm seeking my own good to the detriment of my wife, it gets very ugly very fast. And that's where people really buck against complementarianism because they think that that is the picture of complementarianism, and it's not. Yeah. And, so. and, you know, talking about that ultimate responsibility for something that's been really comforting to me, someone told me this one time, is in those rare moments when, you know, a husband does have to kind of say, you know, this is what we're doing, and, and maybe the wife is not in agreement. It's almost like there's an umbrella of protection because God is the head of ultimately the, the full family, you know, of he's the head of the man. He's also the head of the woman. Um, but he has placed the husband to be the head of the wife. And so it's almost like responsibility, it does fall on the man. And so there's kind of like an umbrella of protection over the woman. So if something goes poorly, you can rest assured that by trusting your husband and by going uh, the direction that he is leading, you are ultimately trusting the Lord because that is his design for you. I don't know if I explained that well. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, it's a, I think there is, it's tough, you know, I think the analogy of the umbrella, you know, I don't go so far. Like if, if I'm, you know, lead my wife to hurt herself, hurt others, yeah, I would say that, you know, her role is not to submit to... Sure. If you you're know, leading, that, so if a like, husband is leading you to sin, then it's not trusting the Lord to sin. That's right, that's right. But that's a good transition. Yeah. What is complementarianism not? So the first thing we'll say is leading you to sin. Yeah, that's right. It's, yeah, that's you right. should not... Not leading your wife to sin. Okay. So. But second... It's not traditional roles in the home. Yeah. So. so now, okay, go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, I love when my wife, you know, does take the traditional roles in the home. But one thing we learned, and I learned this from Focus on the Family a long time ago, is that the entire home is my responsibility. Because he's the head. Because I'm the head. So if the laundry doesn't get done, whose fault is it? It's my responsibility. Dishes? My responsibility. Um, Trash. My responsibility. Cleaning the toilet. That's right. It's my responsibility. Now, the beauty of it is I'm that helping. Hillary is a helper. She helps, you know, build a warm, good home. And so, you know, and really, right now, I do the dishes. Sometimes. Most of the time. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And so... I don't normally fold the, fold the clothes because I really I don't like to do it, and I'm really glad when Hillary helps with that. Um, but you know, it, the point is, is that you know, complementarianism is not traditional roles in a home. It's not coming in your wife vacuuming in pearls and having dinner on the table at five o'clock, <sighs> which is a beautiful sight. I mean, is a beautiful sight, and so I'm not saying that's bad. And ladies, if you want to do that, more, more power, power to, to you. you. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, I was talking to Rosaria Butterfield. I say that like I talk to her on sure. a regular basis. I've talked to her like one time. <laughs> at a conference a couple years ago. <laughs> at a conference <laughs> a long <laughs> while ago yeah. for maybe 15 minutes. At a that, Q&A. Yes. <laughs> it was not a Q&A. <laughs> but, you know, we were talking about these different roles and stuff. And she just, you know, said, 
Well, you want to know who is at home baking cookies with my kids and who is out teaching the Bible? She's like, my husband, who is a pastor, is out is, is at home right now baking cookies with the kids, and I'm out teaching God's Word. And she's like, you know what? We are not egalitarian in our home. We are complementarian. But it's just like, you know, it's not about having traditional roles. And even with that... It's not a devaluing of women's leadership giftings. There's a time and a place for women to step up and lead and for even women to step up and teach. So, yeah. You know, I think one other thing that complementarianism is not is toxic. That's right. That's a term, especially in the counseling world right now, that I hear a lot. That's toxic. Toxic relationships, toxic. Masculinity. masculinity and I don't talk about toxic femininity but I don't believe in that it's not really it yeah cause true femininity is good and true masculinity is super good well it's just as good as true femininity yeah and so complementarianism living within God's design can never be toxic that's right so yeah so again why do our hearts buck up against complementarianism well, you just saw it. Like my wife, you know, just confessed. Like her heart bucks up to this idea of of submission. Um, and your heart bucks up to not being passive. Absolutely. And so, you know, when my wife accuses me of being passive, oh man, I get so frustrated because. But the reality is, I know she's right. Right? She says, "Hey, Randy, why don't you ever listen to uh, this other podcast called Fierce Marriage?" Why am I the one always listening to it and then sending you the podcast? And then you still don't listen to it. Not that you have <laughs> to listen right, to right. it to not be passive. And so it's this idea of, you know, I'm not searching out ways to lead my home, bless my home, benefit my home, grow our marriage. And those are all, they take work. They take energy. You can't be passive in them. And so, and I buck up against it. I say, oh man, because I'm not wanting to take the complementarian role of leader and head of my home. And it really comes down to, you. I think you'd agree, it comes down to the curse in the the fall. fall. And so, you know, since then, I think we've said it already, but men and women have kind of been at strife with one another. And in the next two episodes, we're going to unpack specifically how that happens with men and how that happens with women. A little theology. A little theology, yeah. So how does this play out in the church and the home? Well... Gosh, I think the biggest thing is interacting with one another with humility. There's nothing that we haven't said so far, but humility is the key. It's considering someone else more significant than yourself. And so to submit to one another, it takes humility. That's right. To lead, it takes humility because you're saying, hey, you know, especially from, from a husband's perspective, it's saying, I would die for you. I will lay down my life for you as Christ has laid down his life for the church. And then a woman is coming alongside and saying, I, my, like, I'm surrendering my preferences. I am, I'm submitting and I'm helping. And so it really is interacting and responding with humility and submitting to one another. Yeah. And I would say too, like, I've really seen this done very well. And I, I know some women that are very, very good leaders, and they lead circles around a lot of men. They're very daunting and intimidating to many men because of what great leadership abilities they have and how mature they are. And uh, 
But when I've seen those women, both single and married, single and married, come and support men and help men and and push men to lead. And you know, and one thing I said was that you know there's a lack of men, good godly men. But really, there's also a lack of good godly women pushing good godly men to lead. And so I think one way it plays out in the in the church is that women should be pushing men to lead, to take responsibility, to be the head, and to humbly submit uh, themselves to them out of reverence for Christ. And because we want to groom men to lead and to be leaders, to be men. And I would say the same thing for women. Like men, when you see women with good giftings and respect them and empower them to use their giftings. Like I think a lot of times when men see women that maybe have like a greater gift in some area, especially within the church or within ministry, um, kind of pride bucks up in their heart and they don't want to listen or they're not respectful to the woman because, you know, they might feel less than because she is yeah i say insecure yeah insecure they're not secure and so i think it just comes down to respecting and empowering one another within our god-given roles and within our god-giving giftings as well so that's right and so yeah there's a lot to it but i would say that you know the church needs to hold fast to complementarianism it's it's beautiful it's better in every way And, and go ahead well, there is, you said there's a lot to unpack, and we barely even skimmed the surface <laughs> of it. And, you know, in the next two episodes, we will still barely be skimming the surface of it. But we're not apologizing for it. That's true. We love it. We would love for you, though, to either on Instagram or Facebook, you can send us just a message with any questions or comments that you have, and we'll try to address them in the next little bit. Absolutely. So, all right, we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Reclaiming Families. Check us out at reclaimingfamilies.org where you can find our latest podcasts, blogs, news, and events. We look forward to seeing you all next time.